Well, Ben, usually we disappear when the Cowboys do bad, but like strangely, we just like let life get in the way of uh to quote, you know, the 90s blockbuster film uh Jurassic Park, life uh finds a way. Uh this year this last two weeks, life uh got in the way, and we have not recorded a podcast in the last two weeks, despite the Dallas Cowboys just bawling, dude. Yeah, our last one was a preview pod coming off of a Packers loss and about to play the one loss Vikings where we were very things could have gone one of two ways. They could have gone shit could have gone south or it could have gone the way it went, which was uh, uh, actually even better than the way it went, which was just a total ass beating. Um, Cowboys have been on an absolute roll. The boys are high. And uh, I mean, we got a lot to discuss, Goat, but it's it's all good, baby. Dude, it's a it's a good place to be, and I there's no place I'd rather be than here on the microphone for an episode of Boys Will Be Boys. I'm Andy Catelli, Benjamin Walker, Zach Love will be joining us momentarily, uh, but we, we could not wait to get into this. So just to catch you guys up, like Ben said, we were coming off of this just gut wrenching overtime loss to the Packers, um, rolling into a game against the Vikings in Minnesota, and then a quick three-day break before you got to go play on Thanksgiving against the Giants. The Cowboys hadn't won a Thanksgiving Day game in two years. Um, so they things lost, were – they, they, the season stood on the, the blade eight. of a knife. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the, the season stood on the blade of a knife. Uh, fortunately, the Dallas Cowboys, dude, they came to play. They beat the Vikings 40-3. to for the largest road win in Cowboys history. Uh, and then followed that up with a, a pretty, I would call it a pretty convincing Thanksgiving win over the Giants. The score made it look closer than it was. It was it, The final was 28-20, to 20, but they scored a garbage time touchdown. This was a, a two-score affair. Uh, and then we are here tonight to discuss another just drubbing. The Cowboys beat the Colts 54-19 uh, to on Sunday Night Football. Man, I don't know where you want to begin. Uh, you know, freshest in my mind is the Colts game. And I got to say, I don't think I've ever seen a team, at least I can't remember uh, the Cowboys breaking a team like that. Just by the end of that game, the Colts had no soul. They were barely trying to play football. They've, in the last three games and wins for Dallas, they've had the Vikings game, they had four perfect quarters. I mean, that might be the most dominant win against a quality opponent that I can remember in quite some time. You know, coming off that Vikings game, I was, I was really trying to remember when the last, like, wow, that's a real quality win Dallas just got. And it was probably, like, New England the year before in overtime. Yeah. And even that, you know, you're playing a rookie. You know, I mean, it was good, but this one to beat a one-loss team on their turf and, and just rub their nose in it, announce uh, yourself as a contender, that was fantastic. You know, the, the offense, it was kind of the first offensive explosion we've seen. Then they had, they laid an egg the first half of Thanksgiving. It looked pretty bad. And then they played a flawless second half. They really dominated the second half. As you said, uh, Giants actually fucked me because they scored a meaningless late touchdown to cover. Otherwise, Dallas would have won by another 13-14. Um, and then the Colts game where, once again, they, they really – didn't look that sharp for three quarters. I was never worried the Cowboys were going to lose, but they, they weren't necessarily sharp. And then maybe the most dominant quarter in Cowboys history. I mean, just an absolute 
when everything goes right. It, it really looked like when you're mad at Madden and you just yeah. you, you go to the sliders page and you just turn everything in your favor. And all of a sudden, three to zero in a yeah. single quarter of football. Absolutely, what, four absurd. turnovers forced and four in a row. Yeah. Four four turnovers in a row. Five total turnovers uh, on the evening. Man, you know I looked back uh, this morning. Power rank, you know, power rankings are meaningless in the NFL. This isn't college where you know you're getting in or getting out of the playoff based on where the Raiders put you, but it does give you kind of a benchmark for where your team stands as far as public perception goes. So NFL.com releases their own set of power rankings every week. This is the week two, so the the Tuesday after we lost to the Bucks, Dallas had started the season ranked fifteenth. The next morning, they were ranked 27th in the NFL. The Texans were 28th. Dallas That's was 27th. Literally dead last after and, the first game. Yeah, and the Lions were 26th. So people were like, total disaster, Cowboys suck. This morning, the new power rings came out. Eagles won, Dallas two. Mm. That is how far things have turned around here. And I mean, I'm sure if people who have listened to this podcast, it, it you can tell by the tone. I mean, the discussion after that week one, we're so down and out. This is a five-win team. Like, oh, they ha- they just don't have the offensive firepower to get it done. Like, who is Dak Prescott? Um, and now, I, I, this is where I'm at with it, man. Like, you know, last year we saw this team play like seven or eight weeks of really good football before the wheels came off. And they, unfortunately, were the first eight weeks of the year. Now it seems like maybe they have reached the peak of their powers in early December. And as they start to get players back, James Washington, Tyron Smith, guys like Gallup continue to take steps forward. CD has really emerged over the last three or four games. Dak has really seemed to get comfortable in the last two or three games. We have a chance to play that same eight weeks of great football and have it end with us winning a Super Bowl. And that's pretty special. Yeah, it's certainly – it's been a very strange year to place – like get a pulse on, on where teams are. Like Philly was really the only team in the NFC that popped really early. I guess you could say Minnesota. The difference is Minnesota just survives the ugliest one-win games every single I've week. I've never seen a team like that before. They should have like, lost the Jets again. Yeah. And they, still, oh, yeah. <laughs> they somehow got a fourth and goal stop, and they win. The Buffalo game, Josh Allen, like, fumbles on fumbles the Fumbles on line. his own one. Yeah, like, yeah. crazy. Dude, they just, they've had the craziest games. But still, um, it's been hard to, to figure out the NFC. You have the traditional powers of Minnesota, the Rams, the Bucks, who have kind of been the darlings the last couple years, fall off completely. Yep. The Bucks might make the playoffs. It's a discussion for later in the pod, but everyone else. So, so you're looking for kind of new teams, and Dallas wasn't really thought of because of the Dak injury, like like you said after Week One. So then he's come back, and it's like, well, they they've had some nice wins, you know, but they beat the Chicago, they beat Detroit. Like, what does it mean? They looked okay against Green Bay, but now you've you've had three games where the offense has taken off. Really, four games in a row, they've scored at least 28. Two of them, they scored over 40. Um, Their offense, since Dak Prescott is taking the helm, they're number one in points four yet again. They're number one in pretty much total yards. They're top 10 in rushing and passing. The only thing they're league average about, they're they're number one in a third down conversion since week seven. 
Um, the only thing, which is funny, because do you remember like that? Like after it was like after like two games or something, Dak had like had a really piss poor outing, and it was like Dak is oh, yeah. tied with Tim Tebow for the worst third down quarterback in NFL history, and people were just like, throw, you know, we should bring in Cooper Rush, all this shit. And now Dak is just quite done what he always does, just like quietly go to work, turn in good yeah, games, not not incredible eye popping games, but just like games where after the game's over, you look at the stat sheet, you look back at the highlights, you're like Dak made some damn good throws in this game. Yeah, they've they've really taken the offense to a level that's caught up with how good the defense is. And yeah. the offense, the only thing they're league average about is turnovers. And they're not even bad as far as the turnovers go. They just, you know, it seems like one or two a week Dak's letting letting the ball rip, which, you know, yeah. they haven't they haven't cost this team dearly in the second half. They've all been first half turnovers, but yeah, the I mean the, my point is the offense has reached the level where the defense is at. Now this team went from like Oh, you know, they're not as good as last year, and last year's team lost in the first round of the playoffs. So, best case, this team's a playoff team to now. You can realistically look at the NFC, and it's really probably a three team race. I'll say four. I won't be that disrespectful of Minnesota, despite the fact that we drubbed them. But San Francisco just lost their second quarterback. I mean, they're going to have to start a rookie now. Um, and it's not, it's not a fun rookie. Yeah, it's it's dirty Purdy. All right. Yeah, Anyone who watched Iowa State football over the last couple of years knows that Purdy is Brock Purdy is he's a guy. All right. Yeah. He's, he definitely has like arms and legs and stuff. Now Shanahan's, but, he's a very good coach, but we'll see. And they're they're as always the Niners story. That team just can't stay healthy. They always just have key injuries. Very true. So I, I think you really look at it as as Dallas and Philly as the two top teams in the NFC. I'll give Minnesota a little love, but they got drubbed by both Dallas and Philly. So it's one of those until we see it from them. Um, my point is that the perception of this team's changed. The perception of this podcast has changed. And they're, dare I say it, like legit Super Bowl contenders now. Like there's a path. There's a path. Yeah, I can certainly see it. I mean, they've put together so many, so many guys on this team have stepped up. Um, I mean, it started early. Tyler Smith was thrown into the fire. He has become... At There's least good and bad, but good. an incredibly an incredibly serviceable professional left tackle with as zero rookie, experience, rookie, which is yeah. crazy. I mean, like outside of the rare Tyron Smith type guy, like th this was a dude that people there. I remember it right after the draft. People were like, "If this guy can play football as a rookie, that is a victory for you this were, team." Like, I, neither of us were happy. You were the first day, at least. You were very. Oh upset. man, I was super pissed. I was super pissed. You know, there was a run last night, or I guess two nights ago where they put him at guard. They've been getting ready for Tyron to come back. And so they've yeah. they kind of put, there's some packages or one or two series a game where they'll put Peters at left tackle and put uh, the rookie at, at left guard. And they pulled him on a run on a pitch to the outside of Pollard. And he was yeah. out there mauling dudes. Dude, it reminded me of young Lael Collins, man. Like, he could move. When they had Lael at guard, it was nasty. It was great. It was great. I'll say this also, the emergence of the two-headed monster, the speed and feed that is Pollard and Zeke Elliott. Yeah. Um, this was this has been this weird like debate among cowboy fans. It's also like this weird thing where like Pollard is the official Cowboys player of people that think, hate the Cowboys. Like everyone that like hates the Cowboys roots for Pollard. I somewhat, yes. I also think, think that just, like I think that Tony Pollard's success 
is a way for someone to feel superior to other fans in many instances. Like that's definitely where like Eagles fans love for Tony Pollard comes from is that like they've shit on Zeke for years. Cowboys fans have defended Zeke for years. And so Pollard's success to an Eagles fan translates to like, ha, see, like he was better than Zeke all along, which has some, there's some holes in the logic there, mainly that like Tony Pollard also plays for the Dallas Cowboys. And so like him being good is tight as fuck like it doesn't matter um there was a they great... use it differently too i got i got yeah to your point andy not i know i'm cutting you off but i had a even discussion on on my friend chat after like pollard exploded that game zeke was off and so it's like pollard just gotta be the guy why don't they make pollard the guy and i'm sure it was a little fantasy it's like they use him differently if you watch like they he's not the guy because they're they're a better football team with both. Could they just exactly. have Pollard in there and Pollard be efficient? Yeah, I think so. I've, I've changed my tune on that. I think he could be a very efficient bell cow as long as he was healthy. But Pollard and Randall can... Yeah, I mean, you could, you could put both. There, the there's definitely a timeline where, like next year, it's Pollard and Malik Davis. That's mm-hmm. that definitely could happen. Yeah, I would hope they get a better two. But my point being is, is you know, they can. They use them differently. They use Pollard more on on a little bit more toss plays. Zeke more up the middle. But they've they've gotten and to Kellen's credit, man. I mean, he's they've gotten a lot better at some window dressing and how they yeah. run both those guys and utilize both those guys, which teams have been asked. We've been asking for them to do for a long time. Um, they finally seem to have figured out at least to split that 50-50, and they figured out ways to to, to utilize those guys in their their best spots and they've we've gotten really lucky man with tight end play like i know we're not big schultz guys he's always just kind of been serviceable to me he's overpaid but dude hendershot and ferguson and being able to play three tight end and two tight end sets with those guys like that run game the tremendous when they play that way that the only team that has a higher epa than dallas cowboys is the chiefs when they play multiple tight ends well i love that is one of those guys so they they both make each other so much better so like Pollard is kept fresh because when we get down to the one, the two yard line, they're not just smashing Pollard into a pile of bodies and like breaking him down. He gets to stay like relatively limber through deep into games. On the other hand, instead of taking the ball 30 times, Zeke only gets like 17 touches and he's way better for that. I mean, we saw at the end of this game, Zeke busted his longest run of the game in the fourth quarter against the Colts. He had that one where he took out to the the sideline to the little Dion high step, took it all the way to like the five yard line. Um, And then I loved the soundbite after the game where a reporter asked Zeke about Tony and Zeke openly said that like this team's better when Tony Pollard gets his touches. Yeah, he, he, said, la- he, he even admitted he had to take like yeah, a uh, last year. It was like kind of tough for him to like kind of get on board with that. But now, like, dude, for a guy that so many people have kind of dogpiled on as being this like overpaid, like troublemaker, etc. I do not think you could ask for more from a teammate than you have gotten from Zeke Elliott. Like he has gone with the program. He is about winning for this fucking football team. And like as boomerish as it is to just like, that should be the expectation, but it, it, it doesn't happen as often as you'd like it to. And I am, I love what we get from Zeke. I love what we get from Pollard. I love that they're like boys. They're each other's biggest fan. Um, I watch sounds from the sideline every week. It's like one of my favorite things. And uh, in the giants game, um, Right after Tony busted a huge run, he like they were on the sidelines on when defense was out there, and Tony just sat on the bench and looks at him and goes, "We go run on their ass all day two one and 
Zeke looks down and is like, hell yeah, 20. And I was just like, oh my God, these guys, they're the best. This is the best. So I love it, dude. I love the whole thing. I know this is a one-year thing. There's zero, there's almost zero chance that both these dudes are in cowboy uniforms next year. So let's enjoy the shit out of having like maybe the two best running backs in the fucking division while we can. Um, I've maintained it from the jump that Saquon Barkley would be the third running back on the Cowboys, and I've maintained that to this day. Um, but it's fucking awesome to watch because they both just do shit that I love. I love that Zeke's can just like punch people in the mouth and like make the game physical and tough. And I love that Tony Pollard is lightning in a bottle. He's likely to take one to the house from anywhere on the field at any given time on any play. Like it's great. I love it. Hey, I was at the bar to watch that game. And there was a group of guys I wound up uh, chatting with who kept being like, oh, dude, like Zeke, man, if only we had Saquon. <laughs> literally said that. For what? <laughs> For what? Dude, he's, like, he's, he's got this allure when you talk to random strangers that just think he's got that Reggie Bush lore where like yeah. it doesn't really matter what the numbers say. He just – you've always called him like the Instagram running back. Like he's just, he is. So, someone called Justin Herbert that the other day, which – He's got the best unfair, PR team like, in the history of time, just, dude. He, he, even – yeah, he's, he's sort of fallen off too now as the Giants O-line's gone in disarray. Shocker, shocker. And, uh, but yeah, he just, there's this belief that people, people made up their mind about him a long time ago. And now it's just whenever he has a good game, like, ah, Saquon, so good. So yeah, good. dude, that is how it is. Like this dude will turn in like six bad performances in a row and then go for like 103 yards in a game. The Giants lose by 40 points. And they'll be like, God, dude, he's so fucking elite, dude. You're like, is he though? Okay. All right. Um, I'll say another guy that I I owe an apology to is C.D. Lamb, dude. Oh, I was gonna uh, I was, I was a big was fucking C.D. Lamb hater, bro. Like huge, huge level of uh, C.D. Lamb hatred to start the year. Um, and C.D. Lamb has over the last couple weeks become the number one receiver that we needed on this team. He played incredible against the Packers is one of the most dominant games I've seen from him is like one of the first times I really remember him like taking over a game. He looked unguardable. He had Jair Alexander on him. Who's one of the better cornerbacks in the league and CD just got caught everything he wanted. Eventually Jair Alexander resorted to just doing blatant pass interference on him. And luckily he didn't get called for it. That's what won him the game, but CD looked impossible to touch. Um, he caught another touchdown in this one, which was an insane play where he like heads up play. He rolls over a defender and is able to get up and keep running. Um, it's awesome. And to go along with Gallup, who seems to be like over the last couple of weeks, his hands seem to be returning his confidence to go after balls that are like vertically above his head seems to be going up. He had two touchdowns in this game. Um, nice little one, two for Dak to throw to, which is great. See Lamb is uh Ninth in receiving yards, 10th in catches in the NFL right now, which is about exactly where I think CeeDee Lamb is in the the stratosphere of wide receivers. You know, he's – I don't think he'll ever be the true game breaker of Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, fine. But, man, he's still really damn good. He's still – I think, to, to Andy's point, and just you know, I've always been pretty glued to this position, but I think he solidified the fact that he's a one. He may not ever be a dominant one, but he's a one. 
He's a legit one yeah. on a on a Super Bowl contender. And um he Gallup, I'm not quite there with you yet. It's good to see. I love the touchdowns. He's still I think he's still shaking some rust off. Um but yeah, I don't think he's all the way back, but compared to how he looked when he first came back, I'm like seeing so much more Gallup like play than we were when he first returned. I was worried that he had like completely forgotten how right. to play the game. It was yeah. it was really I rough think, there for a minute. I think and I told this to Zach, I think CeeDee Lamb might be the outside of Dak, the single most important person to this offense. Like I can't imagine how they would function without him. I think they could function without either Zeke or either Pollard. I don't think they could function without CeeDee Lamb now. <sighs> That's tough. Uh, I mean, point. in the in the modern NFL, you have to have a, a guy, a passing weapon. You have to have a guy. Um, yeah, I mean, you could definitely make that case. The thing about the Cowboys that's awesome is that they have a lot of guys. The you mentioned the the young tight ends; they play a great role. Um, Love them. Now, Love obviously, the uh, the question now is: Are they going to go out and add another weapon? Which there's been some interesting developments around that topic today as well. Um, coming out of the Colts win, you know, there's a lot of kind of joy I felt in Cowboy fandom around like, this is a party now, like we're kicking ass. Hey, Odell Beckham Jr. Like come, you know, you want to come join like what's going on here. Um, Odell came to Dallas yesterday. He joined Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs courtside of the Mavs game. Mark Cuban, Luka Donacic, uh, Des Bryant, all these guys are kind of joining in the recruiting effort. And it seems like everything's like just hunky dory. It's going to be this super fun thing. The, the stadium last night at the Mavs game, they're chanting OBJ. Um, and then today, news comes out that like maybe OBJ's medical stuff didn't clear as nicely as you would have mm. liked it to. Um, some words say that he won't be ready to play until the postseason. Some say not this year at all. People say he won't um, take a workout. But he won't work yeah, out. he has not worked out for any team that he's been in front of, which for a guy that says he wants 20 million bucks, like you're really leaning heavily on your past performance there, especially for a guy whose best past performance is like five years ago. Um, I, I'll turn it to you guys. Two part question. A, if you get, if he, if he, if you know you get him for the playoffs, do you sign him? And two, if you don't, if you can't have him until next year, do you sign him? I'll, I'll go first. Hit it, Zach. Um, if the first game he could play for us is the playoffs, I say no. I don't want him working off his rust during a wild card against San Francisco or Tom Brady. Fair. I think at that point fair, it's not fair. worth it. And for next yeah. year, no either. Okay. No. I mean, I think ben. that – yeah. Yeah. No, please expand. I don't think it's worth paying a man that old in football terms. Yeah, uh, for a year, like a year in the future, we have a wide receiver. We're not desperate for one, and I think we're better off either trading for someone else much cheaper or just drafting one if needed. Very fair, Ben. I would, depending on the price point, sign him for this year, even if he could only have playoffs at least as a an option you just can't you need some sort of insurance i think he, that that's what he provides you you're you're really not i'm not expecting him to do what he did for the rams last year but he gives you cd lamb or gallup insurance like i i like what we saw 
a little bit out of Noah Brown. It's a nice story, but dude, there's a reason Noah Brown's been in the NFL six, seven years and never had more than like sure. 20 catches in a season. So like he gives you that. He gives you a bona fide guy that can win one on one. And look, I like Gallup. He's still getting used to it. No, no telling that Odell Beckham Jr. is gonna come out and be super physical. But there's there's a few, even the interception and the almost interception deck through yesterday where Gallup wasn't quite being as a <laughs> physical at the point of catch. Sure. That's usually what Odell Beckham's pretty good at. So I would still think about bringing him in depending on price point for this year. If he can't play till next year, then no. Look at him in the offseason if you still are interested. But I, yeah, I, I'm with Zach on that one. If he can't play until next season, then I don't, I don't think it's, uh, it's worth bringing him in. I, I think I agree with you. Um, ultimately, I think that next year is going to be complicated from a salary cap standpoint anyway. Um, to add complexity to that situation, I can make peace with that addition. If it means that you it you think it can help you win a ring, um, if you know it's not, then I I can't sign off on it. So, um, also like there's also this extra I guess piece of it that's like if he is recovering poorly, like if the if the healing process is not going well, that also might speak to some degradation in athletic capability. Um, so we'll just have to see. I do hope. Now, part of me is always a conspiracy theorist when it comes to the Cowboys, and, and it wouldn't this, shock me at all if, like, this was a fucking classic oh, Jerry backdoor leak where he, like, suddenly everyone in the whole fucking country knows what Odell's medical records look like the day he's negotiating a contract with Jerry Jones that would bring the value of that contract down. That's a super weird coincidence, and we've seen that before. But, yeah, I'm going to agree with you guys, especially if next year – I'm out on it. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. If, you know, reportedly he's supposed to make his decision by, like, Wednesday, Thursday. So, like, we should know relatively quickly where he's going to go. Um, yeah, it should be fascinating. But the Cowboys, as they stand now, um, I do want to get a little bit deeper into this Colts game because this was yet another one with a slow start. Um and I've heard different takes on that. Like I, I saw some people, especially dude, Dan Orlovsky is quickly becoming like my least favorite, like national media person. This dude is such a stay, dude. Stay, stay clear of LaShawn McCoy then. Oh, well, I mean him and Ryan Clark are already on my list of just like, okay. I actually like Ryan it. Clark, but cause <sighs> he just shits on the Cowboys. He just loves the Eagles so much. Like the, I just he, think, he, okay, he but he's not there. a, he at least isn't a, uh, a blowhard, I guess, as far That's as like fair. Shady That's McCoy is just like out here throwing shit. Him and Bart Scott legit just hate the Cowboys to hate the Cowboys. Yeah, and I'm not convinced LaShawn McCoy even watches current football. No, like, I don't, yeah, I'm surprised. Ryan Clark definitely too. does. He's just really slanted. Like Ryan Clark to me comes off as like, like he does that thing where like when we uh hang with the Colts for three quarters and then smash him, he's like. Dude, the Colts are a garbage team. Like, you get no no points for that. And then when the Eagles, like, beat the Colts by one point on a 50-yard PI on the game-winning drive, he's like, God, so much heart and grit, dude, to, like, overcome this really tough team who play. I was like, God, dude, no, no, okay? Nick Siri, for if we go beat the Eagles in, on Christmas – the image of Nick Sirianni celebrating like he won the Super Bowl when they beat the Colts by a point should be played every fucking where for a week. That's just being like, right. this is who you are, dude. This is who you are. All right. Like, oh, but 
Yeah, so the Cowboys did come out a little bit flat in this one. Um, I will say, like, I think what gives me some hope about the Mike Carthy era in general is that they do come out flat, and they came out flat during the Jason Garrett era too. The difference, I think, is that this team does seem to adjust relatively well. Um, we saw so many games under Jason Garrett where, like, if they didn't come out and steamroll a team, like if a team had an answer for them, they just felt like completely lost. Like they had no idea what to do. It didn't like they went into the locker room at halftime and just said, "Play harder." Um, this this year, it seems like there's these games where like teams are able to like get up on them in the first half or hang with them for the first half, and then they figure out what they need they need to fix. They fix it in the second half and they fucking stomp them out and that's what happened in this one um this game is 21 19 until uh pretty much the third quarter and then suddenly it's fucking before you know it, it's 54 19 um insane insane fourth quarter um so I, yeah, I have a question for Dak you guys had bad pick, didn't love it yeah hit it was bad it was a bad pick he almost had a second one that were uh, either of you at any point, worried we were going to lose the game? No. No. Okay. Not I, I agree with you. No matter what it was, it was like I was disappointed. I was the Giants game. I was, I was legit worried at halftime. I was never I, worried about the Colts. Even if you look at, like, the matchup predictor on this game, even when the Colts are up, it's 77% Cowboys. That's the lowest it ever went. So, like, even Vegas was just like, no, probably not. Okay. <laughs> like... No, yeah, I didn't think so. I, I mean, they they weren't playing great, but look, the Colts, the Colts suck. I don't want to take that away, but look, they they should have beat Philly if not for a little referee luck, or could have beat Philly. However, you want to look at it, and then and then they did beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like, yeah, they, they beat they, the Chiefs. They played the Titans close. Like they're they not played, the Houston Texans. Yeah, they're for they're sure bad, but they look they've. They've played like the, the three best teams that they play, they've hung with them, even Dallas until the fourth quarter. Like they can yeah, they can play with anyone. So I still think they're bad. Don't get me wrong. But Matt Ryan won an MVP in this league. Like he's that's not gone. Like he's no longer that player. But yeah, I mean, if he can get your corner to bite on a double move, which was the one time I've seen Diggs <laughs> beat in a while, then yeah, he's gonna get it. And if he which, can find Anthony Brown on the field and throw up a chump ball, he's gonna do it. So. Don't get me wrong, like Diggs got burned really badly on that play. One play. I hated I hated I hated now. Chris Collinsworth's reaction to it, and I've hated do. the media's reaction to it. Today I was reading an article that was like like stock up, stock down for Cowboys players after the Colts win. It was like stock downs, like Diggs's over aggressiveness bites him yet again. Like it's been three years. When's this guy gonna learn? I was like, what? <laughs> like what? I, that's that's someone who's got to fill a quota. That's all that is. I mean, Michael sure. Jr. is a legit, very good wide receiver in the NFL. Dig shadowed him, I think, for thirty-three of like forty snaps or something like that. Forty. It's like eighty-something percent. It's like eighty-three percent of and, the plays. There's digs on Pittman, and he didn't allow a, a, a catch. Zero say, receptions. And go look at Pittman's final numbers: two for sixteen. So, like, yeah, that was a bad play. Digs, I think. It's weird where I think Diggs on worse wide receivers gambles more than he does on. Oh, of course. Like the he's Justin like, this Jefferson. guy, I don't have to, yeah, yeah. respect. Yeah. Now, I will say this. We lost Anthony Brown in this game for the year. Ouch. And I am the captain of the fucking rag on Anthony Brown during a football game fan club. 
But I'll also sit here and tell you that Anthony Brown, for a six-round guy, plays his ass off and actually is a lot better on paper than you'd expect okay, because yeah. the he gets is- thrown at a shitload. And he play- makes good plays most of the time. It's that the two or three really bad ones you stick in your mind forever. Now, this is a devil-you-know situation because, yeah, Anthony Brown's out. Now Kelvin Joseph's going to get a bunch of snaps. And I'll tell you what, dude. Kelvin Joseph had two plays in this game where I wanted to immediately cut him. First of all, first punt of the game, defense only gives up 20 yards. So this like this should have been easy as fuck. Kelvin Joseph goes down there smacks the kicker after a fair catch like the dumbest penalty you can possibly do gives up like 15 yards allow they they only move the ball 20 yards but they're able to kick a field goal so that's three points right there and then on the third down mike matt ryan just chunks up a 50 50 prayer at the end zone and kelvin joseph gets absolutely mossed dude just wrecked (sighs) having him on the field sucks i think the headlines are going to focus on duran bland and I love he had a monster game, two picks. The second pick of particularly was incredibly impressive. It was like very Diggsian when he was young, just like ripping the ball out of a wide receiver's hands. But I think Bland is going to play more for J. Lou and probably not step into that number two spot unless things change up a little bit from what I've seen. Um, I really worry about Kelvin Joseph playing on someone's number two wide receiver. I really do. We're in a playoff game situation. Like, do you want? Kelvin Joseph on like Brandon Ayuk or like fucking Chris Godwin. Like that could be really bad, dude. Really bad. Yeah. Anthony Brown, you, you said it very well. He, he gets a lot of the ire because he's not a very good deep ball corner. And he gets, for whatever reason, whenever he gets isolated in those matchups, um, he gets targeted and between like medium routes and short routes, he's fine. He's competent. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's competent. Like he's, he's a fine corner. It'll be really interesting to see how, how the secondary plays um, with rookie Deron Bland. And I think on the outside, they'll probably rotate right and Kelvin. So I don't think it will just be Kelvin. Um, neither of these guys is impressed to this point. Neither of them has gotten a ton of, full game playing time. So we'll just see. I mean, this kid was drafted high for a reason. We haven't seen it yet, um, but he's going to get tested a lot. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. I, I think that's, that's Diggs doesn't even get thrown at very much anymore because teams have realized that they can just pick on the other side of wherever he is. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I I'm, I'm anxious to see what they do, but I, I'm not ready to say it's going to be a bloodbath yet, but you could be very well, right. Very fair. I, on on the bright side of the defense, um, you know there there was a ton of noise made about the Dallas Cowboys' inability Malik to stop Hooker, a run boy. earlier this year. Um, oh, Malik Hooker, yes, revenge game for Malik Hooker. So Malik Hooker was a first round pick by the Indianapolis Colts. I don't remember when, like twenty nineteen, maybe. I wanted him bad. I loved Malik. Yeah, we Hooker. did. He was coming out of Ohio State, second safety in the draft. Yeah, yeah, he was nasty, Injured prone, but yeah, and. Uh, he he played well for the Colts, but was often injured and eventually got released. And the Cowboys signed him on a cheap deal. He has been <clears throat> he hasn't been like a super flashy player, but he's played his role really well. And man, when we went into Lucas Oil on Sunday night, 
I didn't even think about the fact that it was a Malik Hooker uh, revenge game, but dude, he showed up huge. He gets he has the the pick and a fumble six, which has just got to be awesome for him. That has to be the best. Yeah, I was happy for him. You know, I was really pumped when he came in last year. I I sort of thought he'd have the season that uh, J. Ron Curse wound up having, but he's having it this year. He's he's you know he's he's coming off the injury. He's having a really good second season, truth be told, and. You know, PFF, he's one of those guys PFF loves that I don't seem to watch as much as they do because I don't I'm always shocked when they show his grade. But um, the secondary, I mean, you know, digs and the safeties have been really good. Donovan Wilson, I love the kind of box hybrid role that he plays. Same with Jaron so Curse. Jaron Curse, there was some uh, some stats someone's trying to put together guys who play the most unique role. Like they play snaps at different positions, and Jaron Curse was like fourth or fifth. I'm basically biggest hybrid. He'll play safety. He'll play slot corner. He'll play linebacker. Like they just, Dan Quinn really moves him around as a chess piece. And he kind of does the same thing with Donathan Wilson, who had a big sack in this game. So I really love where the defense is at, man. They've been, they've been a great unit. Micah's the tip of the spear on that thing. Um, Sam Williams has been an awesome rookie. Dorrance Armstrong's having a fantastic season. So I, you know, the defense we, we we sort of already knew about, given how they played in the first half of the year. It's really, like I said, the offense is, has woken up with, with Dak at the helm, and they're only going to get a little um, more reinforcements with Tyron Smith reportedly starting practice this week. I don't know if he'll yep. play, but he's going to start practicing again. I'd imagine even film nerds will say that the O-line is – they've been fine. They haven't – they've been much better run blocking, apparently, than pass blocking. Um, especially Terrence Steele. He's fantastic run blocker, kind of struggles in pass pro. But still, I haven't I haven't really had any complaints about the O-line, but I think just the presence of Tyron coming back, um, kick kick Tyler Smith to the the left guard, and I think they get even better. So agreed. And I will say the defense, you know, they took a lot of flack midseason for how they played against the run. They'd given up some huge rushing days. Um and they were gonna. They we said at the time like they're gonna go on a world tour of playing against like guys that are really good running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the last three weeks, they have seen. You know, they had to go see Dalvin Cook on his home turf, seventy-two yards. Then Saquon Barkley on Thanksgiving, thirty-nine yards. And then uh, defending NFL rushing champion Jonathan Taylor, uh, eighty-two yards on twenty-one touches. So, you know, these aren't. These aren't numbers that are like, oh my gosh, they're stuffing these dudes on every single time they touch the ball, but they're keeping these dudes from making an outsized impact on the game. And if you can do that and you combine it with their ability to play elite pass defense and rush the passer, um, this is a championship defense right now. And the offense, like you said, is catching up. It's exciting, man. I mean, let me ask you this. Comparing this year's team to last year's team. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you think this team will fare? Do you think this team is better than last year's team? Because, I mean, obviously when we got rid of Amari and we got rid of, uh, you know, there were several key losses in this offseason. High-profile ones like Randy Gregory and Amari Cooper. Um, And now it seems like, you know, hey, they they do at this point have a better record than they did last year. Um, Is this team better than that team? Are they built? for more postseason success than last year's team. I'll let Zach go first. Honestly, I find that really hard to answer because I feel like we haven't seen that much of what this team can do for that long. 
mainly because Dak was injured for so long that I, I still kind of feel like this is just getting to the middle of the season, even though it's at the end. I mean, I was very confident that we would at least get past the first round of playoffs last year. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel pretty confident that we can this time. I, I don't know. I mean, Dak has been playing like he did last year, the first half. How much of that is, you know, because of the broken thumb, is because we're just relying on the run game instead? I, I would – I want to say we can go further. I mean, our defense is much – well, not much, but quite a bit better than last year, I feel. Yeah. It's more consistent. They rely less on turnovers, which I think yes. is a, a recipe for more consistent fact, success. Yeah, they get much yeah. more pressure. Um, uh, they're number we, one DVOA defensively. And we have actually been doing really good with penalties. Uh, In comparison. Not, not the Giants game, but right, the Colts but game, they played better. Second, yeah. We're second in the NFL, I think. Are we still? Yeah. See, we I still have like, these games, dude, where it just gets – it gets uh, like the the Packers game just got out of hand, like 11 or 12 penalties. Uh, I don't think that game happened. I didn't – I don't remember seeing that <laughs> one. So. I thought we just had two weeks of bye for some like, reason. Your, but. It does feel like they get less. I was, it feels it, like no, they get less dumb ones. I didn't but. look at the stat. I thought we might be like middle of the league, honestly. Because, yeah, uh, that – at least we don't have Connor Williams. Yeah, I, I will say that they don't seem to get the – not that there are none of them, but they don't seem to get the gut-wrenching, like, drive-killer, game-killer penalty. That... Um, now, again, the Packers game, like, the, the holding penalty, the offsides penalty in overtime, back-to-back, those are, those are the kinds of penalties that I remember Connor Williams getting, and they were fucking murderous. Um. So, yeah, I mean, there's stuff to work on. They need to continue to sharpen the penalties thing. Uh, You hope that, like, what we've seen from CD, what we've seen from Dak, what we've seen from Zeke, um, all that will continue to kind of trend positively. Um, But, man, the end of the year is interesting because you got – so for the next two weeks you're playing teams you should stop. I was going to see you uh, answer that question too, if how you feel about them next year. Or this year versus last them. year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, it's interesting. I think that... I do think that the passing game is not a, a, as obviously high-flying as it was last year. Um, I think Amari... The, like the, begin, the first couple games of the year where you have like Amari, CD, Gallup, Schultz playing at his best... Um, all those things kind of put together really you, – you had a couple games where like Dak's throwing for like five touchdowns, things like that. But they've replaced that with this two-headed running attack of Pollard and Zeke. And that allows Dak to have these like hyper-efficient games. I mean, against the Colts, for instance, you know, they put up 59 points. Uh, or Yeah, 59, 54, 59? Uh, yeah, something like that. I, I have it 54, down. 54 points. Um, and Dak – Threw for 170 yards, um, three touchdowns, 20 of 30. Like keeping keeping Dak out of situations where he has to throw 50 times in a game, he feels the need to like try to force it, make something happen because everything else is being bogged down. Um, we saw this exact same thing happen in 2014. Uh, Tony Romo had had several years where he was putting up like 
astronomical stats, but they were losing. And then in 2014, they suddenly moved to this. They kind of solidified the offensive line. They used DeMarco Murray to the peak of his powers. He rushes for like 1,800 yards. He's the AP Offensive Player of the Year. And Tony is able to get into this incredibly efficient zone of like fewer passing attempts, fewer passing yards, couple touchdowns, and the Cowboys are running people over. And that's what is happening now. Um, I think you pair that with an elite defense, and that is a recipe for success. So right now at this juncture, I am more confident that this team can win than I was about last year's team. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think – Last year, we saw this team click basically in week two, like the second half against the the Chargers or maybe the Panthers where they just ran them over and suddenly they went on this crazy run. The Cowboys played the peak of their football from weeks like one through eight. And then after that, it was kind of hit and miss. They had a couple games like Atlanta and Washington where they smashed people. But other than that, they had struggles, Kansas City, Las Vegas, those things. Now it feels like They went through the DAC injury. They've gone through kind of some growing pains around the wide receiver position. They figured out some tight tricks with the tight ends. They've figured out what the the shuffle is at running back. Now it feels like they've peaked late, and there's a really good chance that you're going to play. You're going to arrive at maybe the peak of your team's powers in December, and I think that's the best possible position to be in. I think that being impressive in September doesn't count for much, and the Cowboys have done that a lot, and it doesn't translate to postseason success um and we've had the discussion before about Dak where like none of it matters anymore for Dak he's at the he's at the point in his career where the only thing that's going to move the needle for him with the fans with perception with legacy is postseason success um and I think they are set up for that man I mean this is the best Cowboys defense I've seen in my lifetime that I can remember consciously um offensively, I think that they are in the top five when they're playing their game. And I don't think you can ask for much more than that. So it comes down to all the intangibles. Are they cursed? (laughs) Can they get the monkey off their back? When the lights turn on the brightest, will they be looking for someone else to make a play or will CD go out and do CD things? Um, Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see. It does feel like a special team, though, which I said a lot last year, and it didn't turn out to be a special team, but this does feel like a special team. They were more exposed, I feel like, last year, and I think the NFC's worse. I mean, the best yeah. – you're going to have four teams quite possibly coming out of the NFC East, and I feel really good about beating two and a half of those. Like, even Philly, I think, is a toss-up. I'm not as scared as Philly of as I was of the Rams or the Packers. No, not at all. I mean, and dude, I again, think, like and the, the Eagles beat – the Eagles have gotten some great bounces, and – They've certainly figured out like ways to use Jalen Hurts, and he has been more successful than I ever thought he would be. Yeah. Um, he's he's having a fantastic year. I told I can't remember who I was talking to. I said I said he's having. I'm not saying I'm ready to like rank him inside top ten or say he's a above the line great QB, but he's having he's having that rookie RG three season. Like he's having that year where just everything seems to go right. Like I'm not. I don't know if people figure that out more next year. Or Philly's just so surrounded him with good talent this year or what but yeah he's having that well and they're they're playing a they're playing a garbage schedule they've scored the same number of points as dallas pretty much and they're 11 and 1 they've given up more points than dallas has given up and they're 11 and 1 they've played a total cakewalk schedule um they have been in dog fights with teams they shouldn't have been in dog fights with 
up until the end, I mean, a 16-17 game with the Colts is insane for a team that totally says it's bad. like that people are like christening as like, oh, they're on another level. That there's no one in the tier with the Eagles. This team got taken to the to the end of the game by Cooper Rush, who literally during most of that game, the first half of the Eagles game, Cooper Rush could not complete like a 10-yard pass. It was that bad. And it was still a football game by the second half. Um, I really do think on Christmas Eve they turn back into a pumpkin. And I think that there's a there's a timeline where that that kind of loss to this team that you've been like spending all its season insisting you're on a different plane of existence then dude that might shatter your team mentally. They might lose first round after they lose that game, which would be hilarious. I would love that. I think we'll be weirdly favored in that game. Which is fine by me. But I think People are really starting to buy in on Dallas. I I have a worst fear, and I know Andy doesn't like this take. I know Zach shares it. My fear is we win out. We stay the five seed because Philly still will have one more win than us, and we have to play fucking Tom Brady in Tampa. Yeah. That sucks. That absolutely sucks. And we will have to go to Tampa and beat Brady, and there be any other team. I would like if, if, if the Vikings had to go and do it, I'd be like, oh, Vikings. Will be oh, hell yeah. Like if no, well, I mean us beat them, but I mean, if the Vikings right. had to go play the books, oh, oh yeah, I'll take the Vikings. If, if the giants had to go play the books, uh, toss up, but I'll probably take the giants. You know, if San Fran had to go play the books, but something like, I just don't want to see Rogers and I don't want to see Brady. And I just know we're going to play like a really shitty eight and nine, nine and eight Tampa team. We're going to have like three losses and I'm going to be so nervous in that wild card. I would rather I would legit rather play Philly week one than play. I agree with you. I will say this though. That's my worst fear. In in any great hero's journey, man, you're gonna have to face your greatest fear. You gotta slay the dragon. You You gotta gotta slay the dragon. You have to exercise that demon. You gotta get that monkey off your back. And so we always knew, like in 2016, I said it, dude, like when Dak and Zeke were rolling, I was like, I want them to play Green Bay. They have to play Green Bay to get the Dez thing. The 2014 revenge. Yeah, that has to that has to and they played Green Bay and they lost. It sucked. But they're gonna have to go through one of those two guys. Because otherwise, yeah, that ju- it just would never the universe would never allow the Cowboys to waltz to a ring without like having Kirk to see Cousins one of their old and Jalen Hurts and, and yeah. Brock Purdy back to back to back. For sure. So but I'll say this, man. If they go if they go round one and they beat Brady, suddenly you're like I'll feel great, shit. and they should. Team of they destiny. They, they on paper, we are better everywhere. We are legitimately better everywhere. I just, we're not going to lose nineteen to three. They did the week one. I just, golly man, that would be worst case of the timeline is us losing in the the next day, having to wake up to the oh, always lost to the Bucks. They always. Oh uh, yeah, dude. I, that's one of those where I just go dark, dude. I just don't even turn on. I I look at nothing. I read nothing. I turn on like, nothing. I could like, even take like a loss to Philly or San Fran again the next week in the playoffs. Like it'll suck, but God, man, I I gotta stop talking about it. But I just I see it on the schedule, and it feels inevitable. Whether we beat Philly or not, because I just I don't see Philly losing again, which sucks because they're division. yeah they just have two their their schedule is just too fucking easy. Unfortunately, I mean like they play think, legitimately no, no just one. Just think the high high of us smashing them, feeling we're better, we're the best team, and then that fucking I know five I know that sucks, man. That sucks because they play New York, Chicago, us, Nor- New Orleans. <laughs> 
the Giants again. That's it. Like yeah. maybe, none of those teams are gonna maybe play. the what, Giants, maybe, but the Giants are yeah. dropping like flies. They're 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 really beat up right now. They're starting to look worse and worse. So Andy Dalton's not gonna go beat the fucking Eagles, I'm afraid. No, no. Um yeah, dude. So Eagles are probably gonna clinch it. They have an eighty percent chance to win the division according to five thirty eight. Um, seventy-four percent chance to catch a first-round bye. Um, but you know what, dude? If the fates will have it, we'll see them. We'll see them. And our ELO score is higher than theirs, so fuck them, dude. I mean, DVOA were the number two team in the NFL now, behind Buffalo. So it's going to be interesting. And we do have a couple games before that. Uh, like I said, we played the Texans this week at noon. Before we have to go on the road against the Jags, uh, this Texans game, man, the Cowboys are favored by 17 points. Yeah. Dallas money line is minus 2,000. I might take it, man. Just put and two G's down to make sure I win 100 bucks. The matchup predictor for this game is 96.8 Dallas, 3.1% Houston. This is like when a uh, before you get to conference play in college football and you play some cupcake like out of conference. Oh, yeah, this is definitely the Middle Tennessee State game of the schedule, and they got to go to Duval and play T-Dog. See how that goes. And then after that, man, I mean, those are the warm-ups. You get those two games, and then Christmas Eve, 3.30. I'll be really interested to see if the NFL keeps that schedule because so the uh, the 3.30 game is Cowboys Eagles. And then I want to say it's like the mid, the, the primetime game is like, yeah, it's Las Vegas first Pittsburgh is the primetime game on Christmas Eve. It's like, dude, no one wants to watch that shit. So I wonder if we get flexed to primetime for that game. I would, I would love to, we're playing um, Tennessee the next Thursday, which is interesting. Yeah, I actually think all these games are interesting. We te- Texans is a cakewalk. I think their next four are all within the margin. I would be, I'd be really surprised if they lose to Jacksonville. But Jacksonville is one of those advanced stats. Really like them. They just haven't figured out how to win in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Philly, and they could be peeking ahead to Philly. Like everyone kept trying to say, the Colts were a trap game. I was like, people don't understand what the fuck a trap game is. A trap game means you're looking forward. Like Jacksonville would be a trap game because they're looking forward to Philly. Yeah, just just dropping a game to an inferior opponent <laughs> isn't a trap game. It's just yeah. being the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but look, they'll they'll drub the Texans, I and mean, we can do. If you guys want to go there, we can go ahead and talk. Uh, Texans are a JV team. They're the worst team in the NFL. They are all out tanking. They're starting a guy named Kyle Allen, who, if we have any Aggie listeners, probably recognize that name. He sucked there before he transferred to wherever he did. Um, Where did Kyle Allen end up? Houston? Yeah, that sounds right. And then he was on the Panthers for a bit. In the it was NFL. like him and uh, I want to say Kyle Allen was uh, – it was him and uh, Kyler Murray were the two five-star yeah, quarterbacks at a and at the same time. And they yeah. both left after freshman year because they didn't. They both wanted to be the starter. <laughs> Following the transfer of Kenny Hill to Texas Christian University, Allen was positioned to be the starter for the Aggies. Fucking Fuck cool, yeah. dude. But then he lost the, the job to Kyler fucking Murray, and so he transferred to Houston. And he yeah. played, looks like... 
he was benched in favor of Kyle Postama following uh, Houston's third game against Texas Tech University after he threw four interceptions in the game. Tech ruined this guy's college career. Tight. Look, man, if you're getting picked off by Texas Tech four times, like the Cowboys should they they I, I honestly think they cover the spread of 17 if they want to. Like unless they just totally put their foot off the gas and give up late scores. Dude, the Dolphins played this team. The Dolphins are a very explosive offense as well. I understand that, but they were up like 34 to 0 before they took their at half before they took their foot off. Lord. Well, yeah, we should win that game. We should beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Colts, I remember seeing a stat that was like the Cowboys game before this game against the Colts. It was their next three opponents have as many wins combined as the Cowboys currently have. So this is your your uh this is what the Eagles have played against all year. This is what they've been doing all fucking year. Is just having schedules like this, like months of this stuff. You know they they're um, on a they're on a seven game lose streak. It's not as bad as I thought. They lost by eighteen to the Raiders, a touchdown to the Titans, twelve to Philly, a touchdown to the Giants, thirteen to the Commanders. Dolphins only beat them by fifteen, but they're up thirty nothing, and then. The Deshaun Watson revenge game, which was lame. Um, I could not believe the shit I saw from Cleveland fans at that game. I was, I, I, I mean, tuned that whole thing out. There's no, there that. is no standard for Cleveland sports fans. I get it. But like, dude, just like actual 10 year old children in Browns, in like Browns Watson jerseys holding up poster boards that say, that bitch is lying. Go Watson. <laughs> Like shit like that, dude. Like, wow. <laughs> like, I'm about as big a homer as it gets, dude. I will ride for the Cowboys through a lot of bullshit, but like going out of my way to be like, no, nah, dude, like <laughs> I am very aggressively supporting this sexual predator. <laughs> like, not even like I'm just gonna ignore it. That's that's a, a, another step. That's definitely another step. So yeah, this shit was wild, but oh. Uh, yeah, man, it should be interesting. Noon game against the the Texans on Fox. Um, that's really this week is kind of a a little exhale. You know, the Cowboys had this three games after the Packers. They've blown all these guys out. Now they're playing against the Texans. We're waiting to see what happens with the OBJ situation. Yeah, man, it's gonna be kind of a it's gonna be kind of like they're coasting and just prepping now until the the Eagles game. You hope that Tyron's back and ready to roll. You hope James Washington is in his practice window by then as well. Um, that's all eyes on Christmas Eve, at least in the fans. I mean, I know the Cowboys take every game seriously, but we have the luxury of looking ahead. Correct. Yeah, this will be this will be one you can uh, you can go ahead and. If your if your wife or your girl wants to do something, you can go ahead and and tell her, babe, Sunday, let's let's go out, let's have a family day, let's get out. <laughs> You'll be okay missing this one. Um, I I expect honestly they'll just run wild. The the Texans D passing is not that terrible, advanced stat wise, but they might be the worst rushing defense in a long time. Uh, so I expect Pollard and Zeke to go absolutely ballistic in this game. that'll be fun and i think paul you know this will be a uh micah parsons wants to get a set sack total up uh bosa just had three last week and now i think he's two and a half above everyone's like oh bosa deserves defensive player of the year over micah which i don't like so 
I uh, hope Micah goes out and feasts in this one. Micah came so close to having that sick pick six in the oh, Colts game. He read that. Oh, that would have been so that. tight. Speaking of, we should do our uh, star love goat of this Colts game. Yeah, we are we are uh, two games behind. We'll just skip those. They're off in the abyss. So we will just do the Colts. Uh, star love goat. Re- reset here. Uh, a little cleanser for the fans. Um, just basically our players of the game. The walk star star. That's mine. Anthony Goat Catelli over there, his goat, and the Z love, Zachary loves love of the game. Um, it could be the best stat line. It could just be somebody who popped. It could be a narrative that you bought into. So um, that said, it is named after uh, me first, the walk star. So I will go first. Mine, um, a lot of guys you could have given this to, but Malik Hooker, uh, revenge game, had the touchdown, got interviewed afterwards, thought he had a uh, – Thought he had a fantastic day. So, uh, had an interception, which was real nasty. So, uh, good job, Malik Hooker. I've I've been a big Hooker fan for a long time. So, glad he had his his big play. (laughs) (laughs) That brings up the love, Mr. Zachary Love. Who was your love of the game? All right. Well, I was actually thinking Malik Hooker for most of it. Go for it. But no, no. In the end, I'm going to go with Darren Bland. Nice. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you're going to look back at one person's performance in this game as career-defining or a highlight for their career, it's going to be him for this. Very true. Two-pick game from from the Rook is awesome. You love to see it. You love to see it. Huh. I I really went back and forth on this. There's a lot of guys here. Um I love what I saw from Tony P. Very standard Tony P game. Nice long touchdown action. Uh, love what I saw from Deron Bland. Uh, Michael Gallup was in the running. Little two touchdown performance, especially at key times. I thought the the Gallup touchdown before halftime during the two minute drill was super crucial. And then yeah. the the kind of return of the Gallup fade. Uh, you love to see that. You love to see one Dak with the confidence to in Gallup to throw that, and you love seeing Gallup run the three sixty, you know, toe tap, just nasty, nasty fade touchdown. So that was sick. Um, but ultimately, man, it's going to CD Lamb. Um, like I said, I have to, I, I have to give love to Mister Lamb. I was a big hater at the beginning of the year. Um, CD Lamb is. He's making great catches. He's doing amazing shit after the catch. The one where he caught the ball and just immediately went into that sick, like, 17-yard jump cut where he just, like, went around half the defense by, like, making that first move. He is, I think he's gaining confidence in his ability to, like, be the same guy he was in college, which is, like, he now, I think he's starting to understand that he is, like, maybe in many situations the most athletic dude within 50 feet. And so... He's making moves. He's doing things with the football in his hands that are special to watch. Um, and he turns, you know, five, seven, nine-yard plays into 20, 30, 40-yard plays, including touchdowns. Um, you know, when Dak threw him that five-yard ball, I thought, you know, oh, they're going to come up short and have to kick a field goal. And then before you know it, Lamb's rolling off this dude and running in for the touchdown. So Sedarian Lamb, the candle master himself, the candle god, uh, he gets the goat of the game. I hope it continues, man. I would love to see CD just like slowly morph into a monster come playoff time. 
Yeah, I think he's he's getting there, man. They're they're finding out ways to to utilize him. Um, I'm, I'm I have no complaints with Kellen Moore, man. I think didn't hate the ju- didn't hate the CD sweeps in this play in no, this game, man. I didn't. They're in it back no- to back, and he got 23 yards on him. So, props. Oh, one thing I want to bring up, man. I know you've mentioned this. Someone needs to sit Devontae Kevontae Turpin down yeah. and be like, "Thank you, yeah." Listen, man, you're special. We love it. At once a game, you get us great field position. It's awesome. We could do with like half as many attempted returns. Dude, I was listening to the radio because I was making a food run at the beginning of this game, and he begged. He apparently begged the coaching staff, and they said they gave him the green light to return it from seven, eight yards deep in the end zone. This game, I hope they, I hope that turns into a hard fucking red after this one. Like you had your fun, you tried it, but. We're done with that little experiment, man. Like, we love you, but just let our offense start at the 25 and not the 18 fucking yard line. Yeah, or the 10, dude. Some of them go really poorly. Like, some of them are bad. So, he just needs to, I mean, his with the ball in his hands, he's tremendous. He needs to learn to recognize, because he also fair catches some that are good opportunities. So, he clearly does not have the field vision yet to like see what's going to be a good setting up to be a good return opportunity and what's a bad one. He's just like, I'll just run them all back. And the ones that are good, I'll, I'll hit and everyone will forget about the bad ones. Um, he is a difference maker. Like he has flipped the field in a number of games this year. And I'm, I appreciate that. I want him to keep doing that. He just needs to, yeah. Like you said, this offense is deadly enough to where like 10 yards makes a big difference. Like you give them a 75 yard field instead of a 90 yard field. And you might be looking at a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I like him, but just I don't need that shit, man. We're we're a good team. I know Bones Fossil probably just goes fucking nuts. Let's him just, they probably <laughs> just do a couple whippets in the locker room and just like fucking Dude, fire if, out the cannon. But if 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 Bones Fossil does any drugs, it's for sure whippets, dude. <laughs> that is for sure the Bones fo- or like keyboard duster like something no, like, real fucking grimy you know dude. players on the sidelines will like smell smelling salts and get themselves juiced i think bones fossil has like a a necklace of those that he wears fuck he just, yeah dude crackers with, dude just yeah. fucking he's just got a fucking tank of nitrous in the fucking locker room <laughs> just like giving balloons like it's an insane clown posse <laughs> concert <laughs> fuck yeah bro bones baby hell yeah all right. Anything else before we get out of here, gentlemen? No, I don't think we missed nothing. Uh, prediction scores. Ooh, good one. Good one. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fucking beatdown. <laughs> uh, I hate to be that overconfident because it could bite us in the ass. Like it would it'd be classic Cowboys to like somehow struggle here. But I think they're in a good. I think they're in good form. Um, by the end of this game, I think the Cowboys have won this this by uh, three scores. I'm going to say it's. Uh, I'm gonna say it's 27 to 10, Dallas. Forty-five to 14, Dallas. Fuck yeah, dude. I just, I, I, I think this offense drops another 40 burger. I don't, I, I, and I think it'll be defensive aided. I, I don't see how we don't generate two, three turnovers in this game. Okay, see, I think we're gonna be benching our starters by halfway through the third quarter. At the latest, so Who I don't do think they even have to beat us. Like oh. the best players, Damon Pierce. No, I just don't think 
I think that if we put our starters in and literally just went all out all four quarters, we'd beat this team by like 60 points. Fuck yeah. But I don't think we're going to do that. I think it's going to be something like 42, 21. Okay. Not too shabby. I'll say this, dude. I was so, I'm so glad we overcame the curse of those helmets. When they came out, I had no idea they were going to wear those Medal of Honor helmets. Uh, when they like came that. out, when they came out with the extra two stripes on the helmets, I was like, oh, I texted Ben immediately. I was like, fuck. You're fuck, just fuck, a fuck. Really bad day. My fantasy, like I, in our fantasy league, I was, I was going to lose. I was not scoring very well. I was very nervous because I, I might miss the playoffs, but it actually it turned out okay. I'm still in decent position. And then bets, we got like fucking the commanders couldn't cover against the Giants. They tied. Miserable. The Jets money line. Just 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 run it in. You have like second and goal from the one and they can't score to win that game. It was absurd. How, how about Chiefs, how about uh the Chiefs? You Travis Kelsey of all people fumbles away the game winner. Like, oh my god. Man. How about old Mark oh, Ingram? So- how about so old Mark big. Ingram deciding to run it, run it, run out of bounds instead of getting that first down in the Bucks game <laughs> and just like handing Brady a goddamn yeah. win? I, I didn't. It didn't even matter because I knew the Bucks are going to win that division, win or lose that game. But I was like, of course, people are going to be like, oh, Brady still got it. I was like, yeah, he put up seventeen whole points on the Saints. But yeah, dude, I I turned I opened up ESPN this morning and it was like Tom Brady. It game end magic continues. I was just yeah. like, fuck off, dude. Like I saw someone called a miracle comeback. I was like, miracle? <laughs> Being down seven against a like, bad team. It was like 14 against a four and eight Saints team. Starting Andy Dalton. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? <laughs> if Dak Prescott did that exact same thing, he'd get shit on for not putting for, for sh- being in that and position. We should. And we yeah, should. For sure. For sure. So fuck Tom Brady. Oh, all right, boys. Let's get out of here. Anything else? Um, no. I think I'm good. I think we're good. All right. Well, as always, if you liked what you heard, please feel free to like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment, shoot us a tweet. Uh, as always, this uh, podcast has been brought to you by the good folks at Raytheon, Swisher Sweets, and the hit summer blockbuster. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, now available on all video streaming services. Uh, We will be back uh, next week after the game with the Houston Texans, both to review what we hope will be a shellacking by the Dallas Cowboys and to preview uh, the last uh, tune-up game before the showdown with the Eagles on Christmas where we traveled to Duval to play uh, Ben's very own T-Dog and the boys, yeah, the Jags. We'll, we'll get a book report next week. That'll be excellent. That. That'll be excellent. So, as always, folks, I'm Andy Gatelli. Benjamin Walker. Zachary Love. This has been Boys Will Be Boys. Take it easy. Peace.